630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot saved Talbot. Rebounds Hubble Blueprint. Wrist shot Martinez saved Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds. Wrist shot Martinez saved me by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers. 2 on 1 to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dry Settle waits. There's the center pass. Left timers home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, Heidi ho neighbors. What a couple of hours we have in store for you on the mighty 630 Chad. This is Inside Sports. We'll talk a little Oilers, some Eskimos, big win for Canada basketball, and then at 730, I'll hand the reins over to Morley Scott. He has the Eskimos coaches show with head coach Jason Moss. Eskimos and Montreal coming up on, uh, pardon me, Eskimos and Ottawa coming up on Friday. Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Six o'clock for the countdown to kick off here on 630 Chad. The game will start at eight. The Eskimos 2-0 and coming off their bye week. And I am pleased to tell you that Friday will mark the return to the airwaves for our Eskimos analyst, former member of the team, Blake Dermott. As you probably know, he's had to miss a couple of broadcasts. He was injured in a motorbike accident in Washington State in late June. He's uh, got some broken ribs, but Blake, as tough as he is, is going to be back for that game, uh, working on the sidelines and offering his spot-on analysis. So I'm glad to say that he is coming back for that one. All right. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 6.07. Good to have you along for the ride tonight. Hope you had a great weekend. You can reach me, as always, by calling 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Email insidesports at 630ched.com. And uh, you can get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. So... We got a new Edmonton Oiler. Will he be on the NHL team? Is he going to be in the minors? He did get a one-way contract for $650,000, so maybe they think this is a guy who can play in the NHL. His name, Johan Avitu. He's 27. He'll actually turn 28 later this month, so he'll be 28 by the time training camp starts. Played for New Jersey last season in 25 games. First uh, time he was in the NHL, had four points, couple of penalty minutes, 5'11", about 190. Also played 29 games in the AHL with the Albany Devils. He is from France. He played six years in the Finnish Elite League, several times representing France internationally. So what do we know about this guy? Well, i got to be honest with you. Name didn't ring a bell when I saw this announcement, but Ken Danico, Edmonton native, former New Jersey Devil, now an analyst for the team. Here's his scouting report of a V2. When he came over, certainly um, had a great world championships and looked really good for Team France. And he played very well for the Devils in the early going when he started the season. He's a good skate, puck mover, not a very big guy. Uh, ended up maybe getting a little worn down early or just learning the, the grind of the National Hockey League and its uh, its schedule, obviously. But um, I'm not too sure exactly why the Devils didn't maybe play him a little bit more or get him back up there, and they have their reasons, I, I think. But I like them. He's a smart, 
player that moves the puck extremely well and can skate uh, very well. And uh, I guess that's the kind of players you want uh, as far as the way the National Hockey League has gone. But with the Oilers forwards, if he does get an opportunity to play there, and uh, he's a guy that can get the puck up to them, certainly. And I think that's why the Oilers probably had interest. But I liked him. He's a great great kid and i think uh you know he, he may have a shot at actually cracking uh cracking the others lineup uh eventually all right so ken danico speaking highly of a v2 danico was on oilers now with bob Stoffer earlier today you can get that full interview on 630ched.com he also said a v2 pretty good at getting shots through from the point and that was something that plagued the oilers at times last year i mean andre uh, secker known as the the shin pad assassin for the amount of shots he would get blocked from the blue line so uh, I, again i think another low risk signing by peter shirelli and oilers management kind of like with uc Jokinen last week the money isn't going to break the bank six hundred and fifty thousand dollars it is a one-way deal so maybe they see him as uh, as more likely than not to be in the nhl and maybe a poor man's replacement for andre sekera till sekera is healthy from the uh, torn acl so that's the oilers story today a couple of uh, other NHL notes Tyler Johnson avoids arbitration with the Tampa Bay Lightning seven-year deal worth 35 million dollars he turns 27 later this month had 45 points in 66 games this past season had a career high 72 points in 77 games that was in 14-15 Fred Brathwaite has been named the goaltending coach for the New York Islanders. And Pierre Turgeon, remember him, becomes an assistant coach with the Los Angeles Kings. Those are your NHL news and notes today as this portion of the show is presented by Action Furnace home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. All right. No uh, games to tell you about tonight. We do have the Major League Baseball uh, home run derby that I think is about to start uh, my interest level relatively subdued for that event uh, I can tell you this one of my uh, one of my good friends one of my dear co-workers Dave Campbell it's his birthday today he's the producer of this show you know him as the color commentator on our Eskimos broadcast as well so I thought I would do something kind of special for Dave today I, I thought when Dave comes in uh, I'm going to sing happy birthday and I decided to record it happy say probably the best vocal performance of my life dave was uh, very touched and i'm glad we have that recording for posterity so dave campbell his birthday today turning 43 and he's covering eskimos practice and a darius bowman celebrating a birthday as well they talked a little bit about that milestone and football of course as well well, uh, happy birthday, birthday boy. Oh, man, happy birthday to you. Thanks a lot, brother. Thank you very much. Uh, 32 sounds better than 43, though, so. Are you sure? <laughs> you making it sound better. Uh, I feel great, though, so hopefully I'll make it to 43. You know, you're, I call you a young 32. I appreciate that. Because I just consider the way you started in the league, and then you were, you know, you're out for a year and a half, let's face it. Um, and sometimes that can test a test a guy's will right does that mean you're you're broken down or does that mean you've you've gained more years in the bank right and i think i think you've gained more years in the bank
like. I totally agree with that. I do feel like uh, I kind of just got started. I know it wouldn't make sense if somebody look at the, the average career of a football player, but I totally agree with you. You know what I mean? Started off slow because of myself, learning curves, but I'm glad I was given a couple of second chances and somebody stuck with me. But uh, ever since I came out of the ACL, I have felt like I, I kind of reset and, and started all over, and it's been uh, it's been amazing for me. So uh Never knew when I first came in uh, Regina at age 21, <laughs> I'll still be around here. So uh, it's amazing. It's a blessing. 44 touchdowns, and you and I share 44 touchdowns, as pointed out by my colleague, uh, Morley Scott. It's, it's an honor to share 44 touchdowns oh with you, by the way. Oh, th hey, it's an honor to be a part of that with you, man. You know what I mean? 44 is a great number, you know, so uh, double number four. So you know what I mean? Let's, let's keep it cool. Let's get, let's get a lot more in these next few years. I remember number one against the team you're playing with. That's it, Edmonton preseason. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it Marcus Crandall down the rail? Marcus Crandall, yep. yeah. MC on the hitch and go, man. Yeah. Hitch and go. And then he was coaching me once I got over here. <laughs> it was so strange. But I think uh, I think they had a guy named Younger over here. or Jordan Younger. Y Younger, yeah. yep. And uh, that's when it started. And I'm here now. When you compare your speed from now to then... <laughs> Have you lost a bit, or, uh, or are you, or are you still kind of, are you still, are you still fast? Okay, you, okay. You, you look fast to I, me. I'll put it like this. Yes. I'll say, I lost a little bit, <laughs> but gained a lot more flexibility and endurance. So somehow, it's better. Somehow it's better. And you got more tools in the toolbox yeah. now, right? Be, being a receiver is not all about speed, it's is it? It's not, man. It's not. I actually, my bag that I come to work with is full of tools. <laughs> tools and gadgets and wraps and ice and, and a lot of other stuff, man. But uh, it is truly a blessing to be around this game. You know, I still see guys like uh, G-Roy. I know we had Jamel Richardson in here now, and they was all like, Bo, you're still going, man. That's crazy. But uh, it's been amazing, man. It's been amazing. <laughs> this team's 2-0, and and I know you're not anywhere satisfied uh, with how you've played offensively, although you found a way to scrape out two wins, so that's a good thing. Yes, definitely a plus. Uh, this is a tough league, especially over here in this West, you know, uh, so uh, it's always a plus when you can see yourself get that win, you know, especially, uh, I always speak on them first nine games in, uh, in the CFL, you know, teams may be going through a lot of a lot of new things, a lot of changes, a lot of trying to mesh together, but uh, mm -hmm. a plus about it is to see that you guys can finish with all these mistakes going on out there, so uh, for us, it's about correcting those mistakes, and I, I love the team we got. I love the environment right here. And if you were playing on all cylinders in week four, there's a problem, isn't there? A problem, man, you know what I mean? <laughs> you kind of be mad that you got to go through the rest of the series. I want to go straight to playoffs if that would happen, but uh, definitely enjoy. I love the process, and uh, it's just a blessing to have another year. You know, and that room-to-grow process, and we're definitely in the part of the season where it's room to grow, and yeah. you know, some fans, even some media might look at it, and even maybe yourself and yeah. some teammates, we're in year two of this system, and it's an extension of what you worked with in 14 and 15. Do you still get a bit frustrated because, you know, you you have the weapons, you have the QB, you have the line, you know the system, or is there a natural progression and a learning curve doesn't matter how long you've been in an offense? I would say yes to both of those. Yeah. I would say yes to the second one first. You know, it's a learning curve. It's naturally to know that you kind of got to go through these things, but it's still also so frustrating when you go through the week of practice and then you find yourself making those mistakes in the game. And even for me, I had mm -hmm. two offsides. I mean, I'm 32. <laughs> I shouldn't be jumping offsides, you know. So it's a bit frustrating. But, man, uh, it, I think it's a part of the process. Coaches do understand it. But I think the plus about it is that you got to understand it is a part of the process and not continue to do it. So we won't roll into week eight, week nine, week four. You know, eventually let it stop. You know, it would be nice yeah. to roll into week six before we get to that midway and you found – your identity, you know what I mean? And I feel we have tons of weapons over mm -hmm. here, so we're, we're still figuring some things out. But those small penalties, and it's been a talk around here for a while. And uh, the second we actually can correct it, 
it'll be a it'll be scary to see what we can do to teams. But uh, penalties, man, they hurt, you know. Yeah. So that's a part of discipline. I think that's where that frustration comes in, yeah. because uh, you know it, you know it for me. Like I say, I I know the snap count, I know, and then you you still jump up. I actually tried to run back, <laughs> and before they called it, I was like, oh, but uh, so it's a bit of frustrating, and it's the process. And I also think live reps. You haven't had a lot of it as an offense. You had a quarter and a bit in the preseason, yeah. which is yeah. base. Yeah. which is base formation anyway. Yeah. And then you had nothing in the Easy. second preseason yeah, yeah, yeah. game. And then you've played two games, then you have a bye, bye week. week. Yeah. So now you won't have a bye week till mid-September. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Here's a chance. This is a chance to get it right. So, uh, like I said, we're in, we're in the mix now. Uh, we got those two up-unders, but now it's all about Ottawa. And uh, I feel we're very focused. The bye week was good, but it was, it was good to be back. The guys stayed around, so it was good to have the guys around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Enjoy the day. Appreciate it. You too. Happy birthday again, brother. There we go with the birthday boys. Darius Bowman. And Dave Campbell. One will be playing the game on Friday. The other will be calling it here on 6.30. Chet got a text about the uh, birthday song for Dave Campbell. Great singing, just don't walk over any subway greats. Love that text message. 780-496-0063. we got John on the open line. We will get to him when we get back inside sports on Eskimos Radio. 6.30. Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. I can also tell you that Brent Kissio, coach of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, has been named the head coach for Canada's national men's summer 18, uh, under-18 hockey team. Paul McFarland was the head coach, but he left to become an assistant coach with the Florida Panthers. Uh, Kissio was going to be an assistant with this team, and uh, we're going to try to get Brent on the show later this week. Inside Sports on 630 Chet, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. As we uh, move along tonight, we'll talk about the big win for the Canadian under-19 men's basketball team. We'll talk to Greg Francis, one of the big wigs with Basketball Canada, technical director for the national teams and former U of A Golden Bears head coach. And we'll tell you about a Canadian Football League video game due to be released on July 26th. 780-496-0063. We have John on line one. John, thanks for calling. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Reeves. Nice to hear Marilyn Monroe belting out that happy <laughs> birthday. Man, it brings back a lot of memories. Oh, you're uh, not that old to remember that, John. No, but you know what? Uh, that's pretty famous for <laughs> You know, it's funny. I don't know if you were listening last week. I, I talked about I just plowed through this incredibly in-depth uh, biography of Joe DiMaggio. And, of course, there was a huge part of it on Marilyn Monroe. And he he remained very much, uh, you know, in love with her and almost obsessed with her, even until he passed away long after she did. So I found some of that history interesting. But anyway, yeah, I digress. Uh, you know, I wanted to phone when you you had your uh, show on last week and you had all the golf jokes. Have you got time for a golf joke? As long as it's clean, buddy. It's clean, buddy. Go ahead. Okay, and I like your definition of your golf game, by the way. Mediocre and dedicated. <laughs> well. Anyway, Jack Benny kind of fits in with Marilyn Monroe that same era. And Jack said, show me a beautiful golf course and a beautiful sunny day and a beautiful blonde. And I'll take the ball on 100% of the time. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 don't, I do have a positive golf story I'm going to tell okay. maybe once we're done here. But you got a football question or I what's do. on your mind? Um, I'm worried about our punting game. Like, we seem to be losing 10 to 20 yards on each punt exchange. 
and on the kickoff exchanges because we just don't have the depth. And so they got to fix that somehow. Well, as you know, they they gave Sean White all three jobs this year. Um, you know, I don't think they, I mean, if they thought Grant Shaw was that great, they would have brought him back. I thought Shaw last year had an okay year. I also thought early in the season his average was hurt by some cross-field punting that maybe wasn't covered very well. And I, I had Sean Fleming on before the season, and he said when you cross-field punt, you try to get it to bounce so the guy can't field it. But they didn't always do that very well. But Sean White, now after two games, uh, he does have the lowest average in the league at 40.9. Uh, Ty Long from BC is leading it at 46.4. I don't think there's a fatigue factor for Sean White, but I, I, I mean, there, there may be some options there. I mean, Grant Shaw is not on a roster if they ever decided to bring him back, but I think they would stick with White at least for the time being, doing all three. I thought you said earlier in the, in the year that they have a Canadian kicker that's kind of around. Uh I didn't know if that was true or not, but I just thought if you had a if you had a more powerful punter, uh, I think that would. So that's one concern. The other concern is our, our our punt returns and our kickoff returns, and I don't know if that it's necessarily the guy doing it, but it just seems like we don't have seem to have it blocked up right. You know, there's always the teams come down and they've got three or four guys spread across. Yeah, and there's, unless it's just amazing coverage by by the other guys, but geez, I just I like Kendall Lawrence. I think he I think he is a good returner, mm-hmm. so I think that'll help. So, well, I yeah. think yeah, he's he might get a shot, and as you know, he's back on the roster. I got to tell you something here: uh, the Eskimos now they've only played two games. Some teams have had played three, but this is the average. Chris Edwards leads the CFL in kickoff return average 36 and a half because he had a long one against the Lions and Ladarius Perkins is second so the es- in terms of kickoff return average the Eskimos only have the top two guys but they haven't returned a lot of kicks because they have the Eskimos have only played two games and they only allowed one touchdown um, yeah, uh, against we, Montreal we right pick up that fellow from the east uh, the Calgary got in the draft around number 24 25. Uh, he looks like he's got blazing speed and oh, the Canadian guy they, they picked up. Moves. Pardon me. The Canadian guy they drafted. Yeah. yeah, he got a touchdown against Ottawa, didn't he? It was a beautiful return. Uh, what is his name? Zukiela is from Nigeria, I think. Akiela. Yes, Tunde uh, Adelike, I believe it yeah, is. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> Stamps got him, and they have a history of finding players. I like your focus on the special teams. That's a good detailed question. Uh, I, I, I mean, knowing how they usually operate, they'll probably give it a game or two before they before they make any changes. But you're right. I mean, those five ten yards on a kick exchange can be can be valuable. John, are you going to the game Friday? Oh, absolutely! Holy cow! <laughs> All right, maybe I'll see you there. Okay, thanks, Reed. All right, that is John. Good call. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Geez, he had a Marilyn Monroe reference. He uh, had a golf joke and uh, good questions about the uh, the Eskimos, and we'll see how Sean White handles the duties. I mean, that's that's a that's a fair question. I mean, it seems to me it used to be back in the day, you often had one guy doing all three jobs, then you'd have two Canadians doing it, and now some teams, Justin Medlock, for example, have American kickers, which used to pretty much never happen. Uh, I mentioned I had a positive golf story. I re- describe myself as a uh, Terrible but persistent golfer. Finally happened today, everybody. 
I broke 90. I broke 90. I just, I, I wanted to bring it, I debated whether or not I would bring it up because I don't want to be one of those hosts that just talks about myself constantly. But I have lamented my golf game to you over the last couple of years, and many of you have been very supportive and shared your own personal lamentations. So I did achieve a goal today. I uh, broke 90 at the beautiful Devon Golf Course down in the River Valley. Shot 88, was a par 70, so it's bogey golf, but a very rewarding experience. And now I have to try and beat that score. Now that's the new goal. You can't celebrate it for too long. Coming up to the 6.30 news, you can text 6.30, 6.30. I'll try to catch up on some of those as we move along tonight. 780-496-0063. The Oilers sign Johan Avitu. You can get more on him on 630ched.com. Greg Francis about a historic Canadian basketball victory. That's coming up next, Inside Sports on 630ched. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Oh, there we go. Kellen Caddy mixing the tunes. Duran Duran of Rogers Place tonight. My first favorite band as a young lad growing up in Evansburg, Alberta. Was it your first cassette? Uh, I don't know, actually. I think it, uh, maybe. I know. I know the. Fr- I've told the story before. The first album or tape, I remember anticipating coming out and knowing the date it was coming out and trying to get it the day it came out was uh, "Reckless" by Brian Adams. But I maybe had a few tapes before that. So there you go. Are you going to Duran Duran tonight? Well, you got to work. No, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not going, but I'll hear all about it tomorrow. Uh, unless you got tickets in your I pocket. I spent enough you money on me. two Def Leppard concerts in the month of June. <laughs> That's probably my concert budget for the year. Uh, Rob texting in with the signing of a V2. Will Mark Fain be bought out or play on the farm? Rob, I don't think he's going to be bought out. I think he will be given a chance to make the Oilers, uh, but may wind up on the farm like he did for most of last season. Inside Sports on 630, Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Of course, uh, I spent, uh, what was it, I believe six years as the uh, play-by-play voice of Golden Bears and Pandas basketball for their webcasts. The occasional game was broadcast on CJSR, and the coach for part of that period was Greg Francis, who's now with Basketball Canada and joins us now. Greg, welcome back to the Edmonton Airwaves. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's great to be back. You got to coach, and we're going to get into the huge Basketball Canada story, but you got to coach, arguably, and this very strong argument, uh, perhaps the greatest U of A athlete of all time in uh, in Jordan Baker, who was a five-year star for the Golden Bears basketball program. He was a pretty special young man to coach, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, for sure. And the first time I actually coached him was on the national team, on the junior team as well. So he was able to have a great career and as good as he was on the basketball court, he was just that good in the classroom as well. What made him such a, a, a good player? Because you know, a lot of people saw the the scoring numbers, and and it seems to me there's this assumption that if you score a lot in university basketball, you're firing three pointers all the time and racking up six, nine, twelve points in a quarter. But Jordan wasn't that mm-hmm. type of st- style of scorer, was he? No, um, scoring. He was a very good scorer at the university level. But I would say his probably his strongest uh, ability on the court was rebounding, and second was passing. 
so he was one of those kind of versatile players that uh, it was great to have on your team, but I'm sure my opponents were not uh, appreciating his his talents as much as I was. Yeah, well, his rebounding was incredible, and he was one of those guys. It was just hustle and anticipation, wasn't it? And can you can you teach that in a player, or do you just have to have that instinct and that work ethic? Uh, no, you you can't teach rebounding, and uh, you know Jordan could do it from the perimeter position. So it would be really tough to sort of game plan for uh, a wing player that can come in and get double digit rebounds. So that was always a strength for our team, and uh, he was great at rebounding. That's for sure. Yeah. Greg, you're joining us in your capacity as technical director with uh, Canada Basketball. The men's under-19 national team won the U-19 FIBA World Cup, uh, played in Egypt. They beat Italy in the final Mm -hmm. 79-60. First ever gold for Canada at an international FIBA competition. That kind of speaks for itself, but you've been a you know a longtime member of Canada Basketball. You were an Olympian, I should let people know, in 2000. In your own words, the significance of this victory for Canadian basketball. Oh, man, I mean, our young programs have been doing so well on the world stage, but a gold medal, um, that, that hasn't been done, and it's uh, sort of a great day of all of the hard work that's gone in for our age group programs them to put it all together the coaching staff and those players to come up with the gold medal in africa no less um it's a great feeling for everybody involved i'm really happy for that team and that coaching staff all right i gotta ask you a bit of the debbie downer type question but but i want to get your take on it because canada beat the united states in the semifinal. obviously that's that's huge the united states doesn't lose often in basketball in any tournament but i know sometimes in these in these fiba tournaments it's it's not the top american players or they may send their best players to one event but not to another event what was the caliber of the american team that we defeated uh, you know what? They had a few key players not show up for their competition, and that usually happens for the U.S. And uh, that that happens to us as well. We had a few very world class players at the at the age group level not show up as well. So it happens um, more more so to the U.S. and Canada. Um, but we definitely defeated a, a, a well stacked U.S. team. That's for sure. Okay, why, uh, from a Canadian perspective, why would a Canadian kid not go to this tournament? I mean, to me, I would think this, if you're U19 and you're trying to impress uh, U Sports or NCAA or even NBA guys for down the road, why would you not go play in this? Uh, you know what? A lot of kids have said a lot of different reasons. Sometimes it's just a straight academic reason. So okay. A lot of kids have to go to university at around this time for summer school and get uh, acquainted to their school. That that happens more often than it did in my day, but a lot of kids go to school, go to their university before school actually starts and gets into it. Um, some kids have club responsibilities, and that happens to the European kids as well. There's a number of things that are going on, and the tough part for a lot of our kids is they're pulled in a number of directions. The top players across the world are pulled in a number of directions, so... You hope they choose the world championships over the other things that are going on, but sometimes that's not possible. 
Okay, Greg Francis joining us on Inside Sports, technical director with Canada Basketball, former U of A Golden Bears coach. I mentioned you played on the Olympics in 2000. So here, here's the tough question, and I'm going to apologize because this may be one where you're going to be like, Reed, I could go on for hours if you want. But uh, compare the Canadian development model in basketball from when you were you know, a teen and then a university player in the 90s and into the 2000 Olympics compare how athletes are being developed from when you were that athlete to what's going on now because i i imagine you're going to tell me it's probably changed quite a bit yeah no definitely it's definitely changed a lot i mean when i used to go and play on whether it's junior national or provincial teams and stuff like that a lot of the players started playing basketball in grade nine if you're lucky eighth grade now you have all types of clubs that are competing. They're, they're traveling internationally uh, for U10, U11, U12. So a lot of times when you see young basketball players across the world, they're way more skilled than their counterparts of uh, 20 years ago. Um, so the game has definitely progressed that way. The skill level of some of these young players is incredible, and we got a chance to see what Canada could do at this last world. Yeah, okay. So give me a sense, Greg, of, uh, I mean, look, I, uh, I'm i a f- close friend of Paul Sir. He's the executive ref- director of Basketball Alberta. I know all the grassroots things uh, they're doing and how they're trying to develop athletes in Alberta. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was not an Alberta kid on this particular U9 team, though. It, like, is Ontario still the hotbed? Are the Prairies developing players that maybe keep up with the Ontario and BC athletes, or how is it looking, uh, you know, the balance of where we're developing players nationally? Mm-hmm. No, there's definitely a concentration on Ontario, and you're right, there wasn't an Alberta kid on this junior team, but there was an Alberta kid starting on the cadet team, which is just the U16. They had a qualifier in June in uh, Ben Crickey, and he goes to Jasper Place, and you know, people like Paul Sir, myself, and Steve Sir, like we're working to try to find those next kids that might be away from the center in Ontario and sometimes Montreal and get those kids playing. And not only there was also a kid named Grant Shepard from uh, Kelowna, BC. He's going to UBC next year. <clears throat> he got a uh, significant time on this junior team. So it's not just Ontario, but there seems to be a concentration in Ontario sometimes Quebec so we've come a long way uh, I mean the women's the women's uh, senior team is based here in Edmonton and they, they've been a pretty good story internationally uh, and they had the Olympic qualifier here in Edmonton a couple years ago and a lot of people flocked to that this is a big win for U19 but give me a sense Greg as far as we've come basketball wise in Canada what is still a, a, a big obstacle that we're facing? I mean, does it just come down to money? Is it the size of the country to get all these kids together? Is, is it that we live in a country that, that's kind of dominated by one sport that's played on ice and then everybody else is kind of fighting for second mm-hmm. most popular? What, what, what are, what's mm-hmm. an obstacle or two here we need to work on? Well, I would say some of the, the obvious obstacles is we don't have a, a very big professional league in Canada. We have one, the MBL, um, that, that can really translate these age group great accomplishments to the senior level. Um, and a lot of countries that do well internationally have a professional league where they work with their athletes that are from 22 to 28, 
giving them an opportunity to play on the Olympic stage. Um, that that's definitely a thing that that comes into play, as well as as you have some of the athletes. Like I said, they're pulled in so many directions. Some of our kids have NBA situations, like Andrew Wiggins, where they're changing teams or changing coaches, and they're not able to play internationally as much as we would like. So. In Canada, we can't afford for top players not to play like the U.S. Sometimes they can have LeBron uh, not play, and then they, they, their third, fourth, fifth best player is incredible. Right. So we need to always keep our top players playing, and that's what we're working on. And now our pool is really expanding with some of our young players getting to that world-class level. What, what Did did that league uh, Butch Carter wanted to start ever get going? It did get going. Uh, I think it's called the Canadian Basketball League. So it started last year. Okay. And I know it's going to be on next year. So to me, like, sorry about that. We have the seeds for some good professional leagues cropping up across the country, but we need to develop them and maybe get them bigger in size. I mean, some of these leagues are just in Ontario right. and on the on the East Coast. But I'd love to see a cross-country league so that those players like Jordan Baker that you talked about, um, I was able to see Michael Linklater at the three-on-three. I'd love to see all of these players, when they graduate, they have somewhere a professional alternative to play right in Canada to increase our player pool. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for your insight, Greg. I mean, it's it you because you you're so experienced in so many different aspects of basketball coaching, playing, management stuff, and I know you're doing a great job as technical director. And I'll congratulate you on behalf of all of Canada basketball for the U19 men's win at the World Cup. Enjoy your stay in Alberta, and I hope we can do this again soon, man. Okay, thanks a lot, Reed. Greg Francis checking in tonight. So yeah, seventy nine sixty Canada winning over Italy in Egypt. Uh, and again, they beat the United States in the semifinal. The Greg mentioned were there some good American players not there, sure, but he also said there were some good Canadian players not on the roster as well. It's it's one of those it's one of those things, guys. And, and you know, we talk about this off and on. Maybe it comes up more often during the Olympics, which are every two years, the winter and the summer alternating. It, it, we're a huge hockey nation. Some people would say we're not even really a hockey nation. We're an NHL nation. Um, but then when you maybe follow the Olympics or follow team, uh, a Canadian team at an international tournament and Canada doesn't do well, and let's face it, we don't have a, a great sporting history outside of, of hockey, uh, then everybody says, well, why, why are we bad at these other sports, right? You kind, you kind of like, well, I don't pay attention to this sport, but when I do watch it, I'd like to see Canada do a little better. So I, I think we're seeing some growth. I, I think the women's side of things in general is ahead of the men's side now there there are internationally uh the the international competition isn't as deep on the women's side as as it is on the men's but canada has been able to uh certainly excel basketball uh you know the the women's sevens rugby that was uh, captained by edmonton's jen kish at the last olympics so you know there has been some growth the women the canadian women's soccer has been been better uh, you know, got medals at the Olympics. Uh, we're still waiting for a breakthrough in, well, maybe, th- I guess this is the first breakthrough at the at the senior level. We don't quite have that breakthrough. It's going to be tough given the, the depth of the field on the men's side. But nonetheless, you're going to look at this and say, okay, we won the U19. 
maybe some of these players are going to develop into really high-end guys that uh, can get Canada to an Olympic podium. That would be fun. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Uh, I got some uh, hockey and golf-related texts I will get to when we get back. Oh, and one about Duran Duran as well. Inside Sports on Chet. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, I feel bad every time I hear that. His J.C. Sherrod is out for the season, as is John White, as is Corey Greenwood. But the Eskimos still able to win their first couple of games. They play Ottawa on Friday, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Kickoff is at 8. We'll have the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Chad, starting at 6. Thursday, July 20th, the Eskimos go to Hamilton. Then July 28th and August 4th, a couple of more home games against the Lions and Tiger Cats, respectively. By the way, and I'll get to your text right away here, guys, because I got uh, actually some funny ones coming in. Oh, and some serious ones, but I like the funny ones. Uh, the Oilers signed Johan Evitu, played for New Jersey last season. You can get more on him on 630Ched.com. Just played 25 games in the NHL last year. So between 7 and 7.30 tonight, Kellen, you're going to like this because uh, you 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 enjoy dabbling in the odd uh, video game. The odd video game, yes. <laughs> and the, well, and some I, I normal play even video ones games. as well, too. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You, do you, what do you what do you have like an Atari 5400 what's your system no uh, ColecoVision Sega, Sega Game Gear no just kidding uh, <laughs> well, what uh, is that <laughs> play, uh, PlayStation 4 Reed. you got a PlayStation got 4 a play, you're totally PS4, up yeah. to date yes so we're going to talk about a game coming out called Canadian Football 17 mm-hmm. so they uh, so it's it's total CFL rules like it's the right field the stadiums are, you know, pretty accurate, but they weren't allowed to use the real names because the CFL wouldn't give them the license. Right. They're still working on that. So the Edmonton team will be green and gold, very close-looking uniforms, but they couldn't use the real team names. So the teams in this this league are, uh, you're going to like some of these, that they because they had to come up with ones that were kind of similar but not exactly the same. Right. The Lay Saskatchewan Knights, I guess, okay. Yeah, right. the, the The Toronto Wild Hogs. I kind of like that one, even though it has nothing to do with Sounds boats. like a roller derby team. I like that. That's cool. The Montreal Ducks. That might be closest to the real one. The Winnipeg Corsairs. The Hamilton Stingers. So not feline-themed at all. The Calgary Rustlers. That's fairly close to yeah, Stampeders. Yeah, all right. Uh, BC Timberwolves. That's the wrong species of animal right well, there. Well, but it's a, you know, whatever, a wild <laughs> BC animal. Now, this one's very close. The Ottawa Lumberjacks. Sure. All right. Because they basically are the Lumberjacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Edmonton is the uh, Edmonton Rhinos in the video game. All right. But I was looking at some of the footage online. It looks, uh, looks pretty good. looks pretty good. So hopefully they, they do well, and maybe they could get a CFL license so you could use real players and all that fun stuff. But more mm-hmm. with uh, more on that coming up in the next half hour of the show. You can text 630-630. Thanks uh, to the people talking about my uh, my historic golf score today. That may, I may never equal or break again. Uh, break again. Uh, this texture says, Reed, uh, right on breaking 90, I broke 150 on a par 74, and I'm extremely excited. Hey, that's what it's all about. you got to play to your own level of ability. Set that goal score, right? I mean, heck, if some people, I'm sure there are some people out there saying, Reed shot an 88, that's terrible. Like the, my buddy that I golf with today, if he ever shot 88, he'd be dismayed because he usually shoots in the high 70s. Uh, Paul says, congrats on cracking 90. We are still waiting for our summer craft beer segments. Well, we'll have to do something on that, Kellen. 
Yeah, we're overdue. We are overdue for a uh, craft beer on or two interview mm-hmm. on sixth on Inside Sports. Sean, <laughs> Sean's Sean's funny. He, he doesn't. I don't think he texts that often, but he's usually pretty good. Sean says, "Reed, I broke ninety on our local course just the other day. It was great. By the way, it's a nine-hole course. I'm now ready for the PGA." Okay, maybe not. Almost got a hole in one once, but it took 13 shots. Does that count? That is from Sean. Okay. And uh, George texting in about uh, Duran Duran. Saw them live years ago. They suck live. So disappointing. So everybody on your way to the concert, have fun. (laughs) That's great to hear. I've never seen Duran Duran live. I remember my buddy's parents just being absolutely uh, just, we had got tickets for one of the ACDC shows, and they were like, oh, ACDC, huh? they suck live. You're not going to like them. Oh, really? That's not true, is it? No. They're great live. They're great live. They got a go giant see. bell. How could it not be yeah. good? They, exactly. They, do they still do the fake money on the uh, audience? Yeah, uh, do they still do yeah, money talks money and talks, dump yeah. the money on people? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With, and then Angus is on the money? Yeah. Instead of a politician of choice? Yep. Yeah. They did in 08, at least, so. All right. Yep. Stealth says, while everybody loves the Calgary Flames 6 NHLD, me included, cross your fingers and toes, there are no injuries. The other five D-men in their system have a total of 62 NHL games and 60 were played by Kulak and Witherspoon combined. That is from Stealth, casting an eye down the highway. A lot of uh, Flames-Oilers comparisons over the last few weeks. The Big L says, uh, Hey, Reed, many of your listeners were so disappointed when the Flames got Travis Hamannick, six two, 205 pounds, but probably would have been pleased if Shirelli had pried Tyson Berry out of Colorado. Colorado. Well, a V2 has roughly the same stature as Berry and both move the puck well. Could be a good signing. Well, obviously, Berry a lot more proven than a V2, but he could be a bit of a puck-moving fill-in as an Oilers' depth defenseman. We shall see. All right, we'll tell you about that Canadian football video game when we get back. Jason Moss is going to be on with Morley Scott from 7.30 to 8. That'll be fun. You can keep the text coming to 6.30, 6.30. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. 6.30, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.